And who am I? That's not a secret I'll never tell. You know you love me. XOXO. Hello, you amazing who the f- is Gossip Girl people. This is a break from our regular programming as Annie has gone back to Toronto for a bit and we weren't able to record unfortunately because everyone was very very busy but we didn't want to leave you guys without a weekly dose of something Gossip Girl related particularly when they've just announced that Gossip Girl's been getting remade. Uh, we haven't even finished this Gossip Girl yet and it's already been remade so hopefully we'll finish our watch through of this Gossip Girl before the next Gossip Girl is made. Who knows? Um, so this week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read chapters two and three from the very first Gossip Girl book. Now, if you remember, back on Christmas Day, we released the first episode um, of the Gossip Girl book. So if you haven't listened to that, maybe go back and re- listen to that first. And then you can obviously carry on with chapters two and three. It's basically me reading it and reacting to it, um, just how horrible everybody is. So we'll have that for the next couple of weeks. Um, it'll either be me or me and Kate reading reading out the books. They are amazing and a lot naughtier, actually, than uh, than the show, which I didn't think that was even possible. But there we are. So this is it. This is chapters two and three. The second chapter of Gossip Girl, which is called An Hour of Sex Burns 360 Calories. That, is that right? I'm not sure if that is right. I I did a 10K the other day, and that was an hour and a bit, and that was like 900 calories. So I feel like if you're just going at it, hardcore going at it for an hour, you'd burn more than 360 calories. I'm not sure. Uh, Anyway, what are you two talking about? Blair's mother asked, sidling up to Nate and squeezing Cyrus's hand. Sex, Cyrus said, giving her a wet kiss on the ear. Oh, yuck. Oh, Elna Waldorf squealed, patting her blown-out blonde bob. <laughs> Blair's mother was wearing the fitted, graphite-beaded cashmere dress that Blair had helped her pick out from Armani and little black velvet mules. <laughs> what the fuck is that? A year ago, she wouldn't have fit into the dress, but she had lost 20 pounds as she met Cyrus. She looked fantastic. Everyone thought so. She does look thinner, Blair heard Mrs. Bass whispers to Mrs. Coates, but I'll bet she's had a chin tuck. <laughs> God, these people. I bet you're right. She's grown her hair out. That's the telltale sign. It hides the scars, Mrs. Coates whispered back. The room was abuzz with snatches of gossip about Blair's mother and Cyrus Rose. From what Blair could hear, her mother's friends felt exactly the same way she did, although they didn't exactly use words like annoying, fat, or loser. I smell Old Spice, Mrs. Coase whispered to Mrs. Archibald. Do you think he's actually wearing Old Spice? That would be the male equivalent of wearing Impulse Body Spray, which everyone knows is the female equivalent of Nasty. (laughs) I'm not sure, Mrs. Archibald whispered back, but I think he might be. She snatched a cotton caper spring roll off Esther's platter, popped it into her mouth and chewed it vigorously, refusing to say anything more. She couldn't bear for Eleanor Waldorf to overhear them. Gossip and idle chat were amusing, but not at the expense of an old friend's feelings. So basically, you could be a dickhead, just don't let anyone hear you be a dickhead. <laughs> Bullshit. Blair would have said if she would have heard Mrs. Archibald's thoughts. Hypocrite. All of these peoples were terrible gossips. All of these people were terrible gossips. And if you're going to do it, why not enjoy it? 
Across the room, Cyrus grabbed Elna and kissed her on the lips in full view of everyone. Blair shrank away from the revolting sight of her mother and Cyrus, acting like geeky teens with a crush, and turned to look out the penthouse window of Fifth Avenue in Central Park. The fall foliage was on fire. <laughs> I love this book. A lone bicycle bicycle. A lone cyclist rode out of the 72nd Street entrance to the park and stopped at the hot dog vendor on the corner to buy a bottle of water. Blair had never noticed the hot dog vendor before, and she wondered if he always parked there, or if he was new. It was funny how much you could miss in what you saw every day. Suddenly, Blair was starving, and she knew just what she wanted. <laughs> a hot dog. <laughs> That's some hardcore influencing going on by the hot dog stand. She wanted one right now. <coughs> a steaming hot saberette hot dog with mustard and ketchup and onions and sauerkraut and she was going to eat it in three bites and then burp in her mother's face if I, if Cyrus could stick his tongue down her mother's throat in front of all her friends then she could eat a stupid hot dog I don't know what is happening here <laughs> I'll be right back, Blair told Katie and Isabel. She whirled around and began to walk across the room to the front hall. She was going to put on her coat, go outside, get a hot dog with a vendor, eat in three bites, come back, burp in her mother's face, have another drink, and then have sex with Nate. That's a big day, mate. Where are you going, Katie called after her, but Blair didn't stop. She headed straight for the door. Nate saw Blair come in and, and extracted himself from Cyrus and Blair's mother just in time. Blair, he said, what's up? Blair stopped and looked into Nate's sexy green eyes. They were like the emeralds in the cufflinks her father wore with his tux when he went to the opera. He's wearing your heart on his sleeve, she reminded herself, forgetting all about the hot dog. In the movie of her life, Nate would pick her up and carry her away to the bedroom and ravish her. But this was real life, unfortunately. I have to talk to you, Blair said. She held out her glass. Fill me up first. Oh. Nate took a glass and Blair led him over to the marble top wet bar by the French doors that opened onto the dining room. Nate poured them each a tumbler full of scotch and then followed Blair across the living room once more. Hey, where are you two going? Chuck Bass asked as they walked by. He raised his eyebrows, leering at them suggestively. Blair rolled her eyes at Chuck and kept walking, drinking as she went. Nate followed her, ignoring Chuck completely. Chuck Bass, the oldest son of Misty and Bartholomew Bass, was handsome, aftershave commercial handsome. In fact, he starred in a British Dracon Noir commercial, much to his parents' public dismay and secret pride. Chuck was also the horniest boy in Blair and Nate's group of friends. Once at a party in ninth grade, Chuck had hidden in a guest bedroom closet for two hours, waiting to crawl into bed with Katie Farkas, who was so drunk she kept throwing up in her sleep. Chuck didn't even mind. He just got in bed with her. He was completely unshakable when it came to girls. So he's just as creepy and horrible in the books as he is in the show. Good to know. Good to know. The only way to deal with a guy like Chuck is to laugh in his face, which is exactly what all the girls knew who knew him did. In other circles, Chuck might have banished as a slimeball of the highest order. But these families had been friends for generations. Chuck was a bass, and so they were stuck with him. They'd even got used to his gold monogram pinky ring, his trademark navy blue monogram cashmere scarf, and the copies of his headshot, which littered his parents' many houses and apartments, and spilled out of his locker at the Riverside Prep School for Boys. Don't forget to use protection, Chuck called, raising his glass at Blair and Nate as they turned down the long red carpeted hallway to Blair's bedroom. 
Blair grasped the glass doorknob and turned it, surprising her Russian blue cat, Kitty Minky, who was curled up on the red silk bedspread. Blair paused at the threshold and leaned back against Nate, pressing her body into his. She reached down to take his hand. At that moment, Nate's hopes perked up. Blair was acting sort of sultry and sexy, and could it be something was about to happen? Blair squeezed Nate's hand and pulled him into the room. They stumbled over each other, falling toward the bed and spilling their drinks on the mohair rug. Blair giggled. The scotch she'd pounded had gone right to her head. I'm about to have sex with Nate, she thought giddily. And then they both graduate in June and go to Yale in the fall and have a huge wedding four years later and find a beautiful apartment on Park Avenue and decorate the whole thing in velvet, silk and fur and have sex in every room on a rotating basis. (gasps) Suddenly, Blair's mother's voice rang out loud and clear down the hallway. Serena Vanderwoodson. I don't know why I said it like that. What a lovely surprise. I love her like, yeah, I'll just start doing voices out of nowhere now. Um, Nate dropped Blair's hand and straightened up like a soldier called to attention. Blair sat down, hand on the end of her bed, put a drink on the floor and grasped the bedspread in tight, white-knuckle fists. She looked up at Nate, but Nate was already turning to go, striding back down the hall to see if it could possibly be true. Had Serena Vanderwoodson really come back. The movie of Blair's life had taken a sudden, tragic turn. Blair clutched her stomach, ravenous again. She should have gone for that hot dog after all. Ooh. Well, that's the end of the second chapter. I'm going to carry on, though, guys, because I'm having such a lovely time. S is back. Hello, 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 Blair's mother crowed, kissing the smooth, hollow cheeks of each Vanderwoodson. Kiss, 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 kiss. <laughs> Why have they written that in it? I know you weren't expecting Serena, dear, Mrs. Vanderwoodson whispered in a concerned, confidential tone. I hope it's all right. Of course, yes, it's fine, Mrs. Waldorf said. Did you come home for the weekend, Serena? Serena Vanderwoodson shook her head and handed her vintage Burberry coat to Esther, the maid. <gasps> it's Esther Nodorota in the book. My heart. I can't take it. She pushed a stray blonde hair behind her ear a stray, yeah, and smiled at her hostess. When Serena smiled, she used her eyes, those dark, almost navy blue eyes. It was the kind of smile you might try to imitate, posing on the bathroom mirror like an idiot. The magnetic, delicious, you can't stop looking at me, can you? Smile, supermodels spend years perfecting. Well, Serena smiled that that way without even trying. No, I'm here to, Serena started to say. Serena's mother interrupted hastily. Serena's decided that boarding school is not for her. She announced patting her hair casually, as if it were no big deal. She was the middle-aged version of utter coolness. (laughs) Oh. The whole Vanderwoodson family was like that. They were all tall, blonde, thin, and super poised, and they never did anything. Play tennis, hail a cab, eat spaghetti, go to the toilet, without maintaining their cool. Serena especially. She was gifted with the kind of coolness that you can't acquire by buying the right handbag or the right pair of jeans. She was the girl every boy wants, and every girl wants to be. Serena will be back at Constance tomorrow, Mr. Vanderwoodson said, glancing at his daughter with steely blue eyes and an owl-like mixture of pride and disapproval that made him look scarier than he really was. Well, Serena, you look lovely, dear. Blair will be thrilled to see you, Blair's mother trilled. You're one to talk, Serena said, hugging her. Look how skinny you are, and the house looks so fantastic. Wow, you've got some awesome art. (laughs) Mrs. Waldorf... (laughs) 
smiled, obviously pleased, and wrapped her arm around Serena's long, slender waist. Darling, I'd like to meet my special friend, Cyrus Rose, she said. Cyrus, this is Serena. Stunning, Cyrus Rose boomed. He kissed Serena on both cheeks and hugged her a little too tightly. She's a good hugger too, Cyrus added, patting Serena on the hip. Why does everyone keep touching her hips? Get off this 15-year-old's hips. Serena giggled, but she didn't flinch. She spent a lot of time in Europe in the past two years, and she was used to being hugged by harmless, horny European gropers who found her completely irresistible. She was a full-on groper magnet. (laughs) Serena and Blair are best, best, best friends, Elna Waldorf explained to Cyrus. But Serena went away to Hanover Academy in 11th grade and spent this summer traveling. It was so hard for Paul Blair with you gone this past year, Serena. Eleanor said, growing misty-eyed, especially with a divorce, but you're back now. Blair will be so pleased. Where is she? Serena asked eagerly, her perfect pale skin glowing pink with the prospect of seeing her old friend again. She stood on tiptoe and craned her head to look for Blair, but she soon found herself surrounded by parents, the Archibalds, the Cotesses, the Basses, and Mr. Farkas, (laughs) who each took turn kissing her and welcoming her back and probably groping her waist. Serena hugged them happily. These people were home to her, and she'd been gone a long time. She could hardly wait for life to return to the way it used to be. She and Blair would walk to school together, spend double photography in Sheep Meadow in Central Park, lying on their backs, taking pictures of pigeons and clouds, smoking and drinking coke, and feeling like hardcore artists. I can't, I can't imagine them smoking. They would have cocktails at the Starlands at the Tribeca Star Hotel again, which always turned into sleepover parties because they would get too drunk to get home, so they'd spend the night in the suite Chuck Bass's family kept there. They would sit on Blair's four-poster bed and watch Audrey Hepburn movies, wearing vintage lingerie and drinking gin and lime juice. They would cheat on their Latin test. They always did. Amo, Amas, Amat was still tattooed on the inside of Serena's elbow in permanent marker. Thank God for three-quarter-length sleeves. They'd drive around Serena's parents' estate in Ridgefield, Connecticut, in the caretaker's old Buick station wagon, singing the stupid hymns they sang in school, and acting like crazy old ladies. They'd pee in the downstairs entrances to their classmates' brownstones and ring the doorbells and run away. What? They peeing on stuff. They take Blair's little brother, Tyler. Oh, that's new. To the Lower East Side and leave him there to see how long it took him to find his way home. Maybe that's what happened to him in the show. They took him somewhere he just never found his way home. A work of charity, really, since Tyler was now the most streetwise boy at St. George's. They'd go out dancing with a huge group and lose 10 pounds from sweating in their leather pants, as if they needed to lose their weight. They would go back to being their regular old fabulous selves, just like always. Serena couldn't wait. Got you a drink, Chuck Bass said, elbowing the clusters of parents out of the way and handing Serena a tumbler of whiskey. Welcome back, he added, ducking down to kiss Serena's cheek and missing it intentionally so that his lips landed on her mouth. You haven't changed, Serena said, accepting the drink. She took a long sip. So did you miss me? Miss you? The question is, did you miss me? Chuck said, come on, babe, spill. What are you doing back here? What happened? Do you have a boyfriend? Oh, come on, Chuck, Serena said, squeezing his hand. You know I came back because I want you so badly. I've always wanted you. Chuck took a step back and cleared his throat. His face flushed. She caught him off guard. A rare feat. Well, I'm all booked up for this month, but I can put you on the waiting list, Chuck said, huffily, trying to regain his composure. But Serena was barely listening to him anymore. Her dark blue eyes scanned the room, looking for the two people she wanted to see most, Blair and Nate. 
Finally, Serena found them. Nate was standing by the doorway to the hall, and Blair was standing just behind her, her head bowed, fiddling with the buttons on her black cardigan. Nate was looking directly at Serena, and when her gaze met his, he bit his bottom lip, the way he always did when he was embarrassed. And then he smiled. That smile, those eyes, that face. Come here, Serena mouthed at him, waving her hand. Her heart sped up as Nate began walking towards her. He looked better than she remembered. Much better. Nate's heart was beating even faster than hers. Hey you, Serena breathed when Nate hugged her. He smelled just like he always smelled, like the cleanest, most delicious boy alive. Tears came to Serena's eyes. She pressed her face into Nate's chest. Now she was really home. Nate's cheeks turned pink. Calm down, he told himself, but he couldn't calm down. He felt like picking up and turning around and kissing her face over and over. I love you, he wanted to shout, but he didn't. He couldn't. Nate was the only son of a Navy captain and French society hostess. His father was a master sailor and extremely handsome, but a little lacking in the hugs department. His mother was the complete opposite, always fawning over Nate and prone to emotional fits during which she would lock herself in her bedroom with a bottle of champagne and call her sister on her yacht in Monaco. Poor Nate was always on the verge of saying how he really felt, but he didn't want to make a scene or say something he might regret later. Instead, he kept quiet and let other people steer the boat while he lay back and enjoyed the steady rocking of the waves. He might look like a stud, but he was actually pretty weak. So what have you been up to? Nate asked Serena, trying to breathe normally. We missed you. Notice that he wasn't even brave enough to say, I missed you. What have, what have I been up to? Serena repeated. She giggled. If you only knew, Nate, I've been so, so bad. Nate clenched his fists involuntarily. Man, oh man, had he missed her. Ignored as usual, Chuck slunk away from Serena and Nate and crossed the room to Blair, who was once again standing with Katie and Isabel. A thousand bucks says she got kicked out, Chuck told them. And doesn't she, doesn't she look fucked? I think she's been thoroughly fucked. Maybe she has some sort of prostitution ring going on up there. The Merry Madam of Hanover Academy, he said, laughing at his own stupid joke. That's wild. I think she looks kind of spaced out too, Kay said. Maybe she's on heroin. Awesome prescription drug, Isabel said. You know, like Valium or Prozac. Maybe she's gone totally nuts. She could have been making her own E, Katie agreed. She was always good at science. What is happening? I heard she joined some kind of cult, Chuck offered. Like, she's been brainwashed and now all she thinks about is sex. And she, like, has to do it all the time. When is dinner going to be ready, Blair wondered. Tuning out her friend's ridiculous speculations. She'd forgotten how pretty Serena's hair was, how perfect her skin was, how long and thin her legs were, what Nate's eyes looked like when he looked at her, like he never wanted to Blake. He never looked at Blair that way. Hey, Blair, Serena must have told you she was coming back, Chuck said. Come on, tell us, what's the deal? Blair stared at him blankly, her small fox-like face turning red. The truth was, she hadn't really spoken to Serena in over a year. At first, when Serena had gone to boarding school... After sophomore year, Blair really missed her, but it soon became apparent how much easier it was to shine without Serena around. Suddenly, Blair was the prettiest, the smartest, the hippest, most happening girl in the room. She became the one everyone looked to, so Blair stopped missing Serena so much. She felt a little guilty for not staying in touch. But even that had worn off now, and she received Serena's flip and impersonal emails describing all the fun she was having at boarding school. Hitchhiked to Vermont to go snowboarding and spent the night dancing with the hottest guys. Crazy night last night. Damn, my head hurts. Sounds like a fucking idiot. The last, the last news Blair received was a postcard this past summer. Blair, turned 17 on Bastille Day. France rocks. Miss you. Love, Serena. Was all it said. 
Blair tucked the postcard into her old Fendi shoebox with all the other mementos from their friendship. A friendship she would cherish forever, but which she thought of as over until now. Serena was back, the lid was off the shoebox, and everything would go back to the way it was before she left. As always, it was Serena and Blair, Blair and Serena, with Blair playing the smaller, fatter, mousier, less witty best friend of the blonde uber girl, Serena Vanderwoodson. Or not, not if Blair could help it. You must be so excited Serena's here, Isabel chirped, but when she saw the look on Blair's face, she changed her tune. Of course, Constance took her back. It's so typical. They're too desperate to lose any of us, Isabel lowered her voice. I heard last spring Serena was fooling around with some townie up in New Hampshire. She had an abortion, she added. I bet it wasn't her first either, Chuck said. Just look at her. These people are horrible. And so they did. All four of them looked at Serena, (laughs) who was still chatting happily with Nate. Chuck saw the girl he'd wanted to sleep with since he could remember wanting to sleep with girls. First grade, maybe? Katie saw the girl she'd been copying since she started shopping for her own clothes. Third grade? Isabel saw the girl who'd gotten to be an angel with wings made out of real feathers of the church of the heavenly rest Christmas pageant, while Isabel was a lowly shepherd and had to wear a burlap sack. Third grade again. Both Katie and Isabel knew the girl who would inevitably steal Blair away from them and leave them with only each other, which was too dull to even think about. And Blair saw Serena. Her best friend, the girl she would always love and hate, the girl she could never measure up to and had tried so hard to replace, the girl she wanted everyone to forget. For about 10 seconds, Blair thought about telling her friends the truth. She didn't know Serena was coming back, but how would that look? Blair was supposed to be plugged in, and how plugged in would she, (laughs) and how plugged in would she sound if she admitted she knew nothing about Serena's return, while her friends seemed to know so much. Blair couldn't very well stand there and say nothing. That would be too obvious. She always had something to say. Besides, who wanted to hear the truth when the truth was so incredibly boring? Blair lived for drama. Here was her chance. Blair cleared her throat. It all happened very suddenly, she said mysteriously. She looked down and fiddled with a little ruby ring on the middle finger of her right hand. The film was rolling and Blair was getting warmed up. I think Serena is pretty messed up about it, but I promise her I wouldn't say anything, she said. Her friends nodded as if they understood completely. It sounded serious and juicy. And best of all, it sounded like Serena had confided everything to Blair. If only Blair could script the rest of the movie, she'd wind up with the boy for sure. And Serena could play the girl who falls off the cliff and cracks her skull on a rock and is eaten alive by hungry vultures, never to be seen again. Careful, Blair Chuck warned, nodding at Serena and Nate, who were still looking in low voices over the wet bar, their eyes never straying from each other's faces. Looks like Serena's already found her next victim. (gasps) That is the end of chapter three of Gossip Girl, the first novel. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Hope that was good. Um, A little break from our regular programming while Annie is away. Um, But we wanted to keep things going. We didn't want to leave you guys in the lurch without any kind of Gossip Girl fun. Um, So yeah, we'll be doing this for the next couple of weeks until Annie returns. So next week you'll have me and Kate uh, reading the Gossip Girl book. Um, But thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. GossipGirlPod at gmail.com and we're also on Twitter. Thank you very much. See you next week.